0: May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is a portion of today's second reading from Romans chapter 3. I'll remind you again of these words. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus this is the word of our God in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord our Savior and our righteousness my dear brothers and sisters in the faith three feet by seven feet That was the size of Martin Luther's cell, his room, in the Black Cloister. In 1505, Luther became a monk. In 1507, he moved into the Black Cloister in Wittenberg, Germany. And by the way, Luther didn't just become any monk, he became an Augustinian friar. And the Augustinian order was one of the strictest around. Years later, Luther had this to say about his time at a monk. He said, if anybody could have gained heaven by being a monk, then I would have indeed been among them. Luther, you see, was, was desperate to get right with God. He was desperate to find some kind of peace. And he thought to himself that the clearest path to that would be becoming a monk and doing all those wonderful good works that monks do. And so, as an Augustinian, Luther gave up all of his worldly possessions. He spent many hours every day in worship and prayer, in study and meditation. He would deny himself food and drink for long periods of time. He would sleep on the cold stone floor of that cell without a blanket, without a cloak, even in winter, when sometimes the temperature would dip down below the freezing point. He even at times would take a whip and he would beat himself until he was bloody, basically to purge the evil from his body. Many years later Luther had a number of health problems and historians often wonder if if how he treated himself as a monk didn't lead to all of those health problems later in life. So did it work? Did Luther find what he was looking for? Did he find that peace with God? No. Why? Because he was looking in exactly the wrong place. My friends, this morning as we celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation, we're going to rediscover where to look. We're going to be reminded again the only path to peace. We will say that a right relationship with God comes through Jesus Christ alone. The Apostle Paul in his in God's Word before us today tells us that righteousness, the righteousness that Luther craved, the righteousness that we all need It comes to us from God. It comes by grace alone. It comes by faith alone. And it comes through the Holy Scriptures alone. If you were to die tonight and God said, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer him? The vast majority of people in this world would answer with something like this. Well, I've I've tried to live a good life. I've tried to be a good person. God says something vastly different about the requirements to get into heaven. He says, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Nowhere does God ever say, just do your best, just try your best, and I'll be satisfied with whatever that happens to be. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, do. He says, don't do. He says, be holy and perfect and righteous, and do that all the time without fail. Keep my law. I'm going to turn that off because a little bit of feedback going there. We argue, though, with that, don't we? We say, that's impossible. How can anybody be perfect all the time? That's unrealistic. Nobody can do that. Exactly. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The last time I checked, all means everybody, which means that you and I have fallen short of the glory of our God. We've fallen far short of his demand that we be absolutely righteous and sin-free. The Apostle Paul uses a word here for sin that has the idea of missing the mark. Imagine going for that A-plus on your geography exam, but missing every single question and getting an F. Imagine uh, that you're trying to get that promotion at work, and you really work hard at it, but you end up getting yourself fired. Imagine having a rifle, and you look downrange at that target, you've got the scope on it, and you want to hit the bullseye dead in the middle. But not only do you miss the target, you end up shooting yourself. That's how great our failure has been. So what? Everybody's fallen short. We're all in the same boat. What's the big deal? I'll tell you so what. Jesus himself said, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. The devil, right? No. God is the one who sentences sinners to hell. And that's exactly what our sins have earned for us. The God of justice, the God who rightly demands be holy, be perfect, be righteous, has every right to say to us, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire. But here's the thing. As Luther discovered with such great joy, God is not just the God of justice. He is also the God of grace. Now, grace is a word that we throw around a lot in our circles. We're Lutherans, of course, so we talk about grace an awful lot. And it's a beautiful word, but I think sometimes because we use it so much, it can lose a little bit of its sense, a little bit of its meaning. So I want to I use some opposites to kind of illustrate to you what grace means. We run as far away from God as we can possibly get and as fast as we can run, but God chases after us, and catches us. That's grace. We deserve nothing but death and hell and eternal punishment, but God gives us life. Life now and life forever in Christ. That's grace. There is nothing by nature in us that's good or attractive at all. And yet our God wants to have our company for eternity. That's grace. We are by nature completely unlovable. And God loves us anyway in Christ with an everlasting love. My friends, that's grace, that's God's undeserved love and kindness for us sinners. Consider for a moment this God, who is at the same time both perfect justice and perfect grace. In His justice, God demands be holy, be perfect, be righteous, be sinless. In His grace, He sent His one and only Son as our substitute to do all of those things for us in our place to be a lamb without blemish or defect. In justice, God says, the soul who sins is the one who will die. In grace, God sent his one and only son to die in our place, to suffer our curse on that cross, and so to atone for all of our sins. In justice, God says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. In grace, he says, the blood of my son purifies you from all sin in justice God demands righteousness in grace God gives it to us as a free gift how does he do that exactly well Paul explains this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe imagine that in your pocket you have a hundred dollar bill Now I want you to to think about this, which is more valuable, that piece of paper with Ben Franklin's picture on it, or the pocket that holds it? Obviously the C note has more value, right? And yet, at the same time, that pocket is important too, because it holds on to that hundred dollar bill and keeps you from losing it. Faith like that. Faith is the hand that receives something. Faith is the open bag into which God pours His blessings. Faith is the empty pocket into which God places the greatest blessing of all, the blessing that we need more than anything else. What is it that God places into our faith pockets? Well, something much more valuable than money, not even all the money in the world. He gives us a gift called justification. This is what Paul says. He says, we are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. But what does it mean to be justified? Well, it's a little bit like diplomatic immunity. If a country gives its diplomat immunity, uh, then that diplomat can avoid being prosecuted. And this works for crimes ranging from parking tickets, believe it or not, all the way up to first-degree murder. And if the country that sent the diplomat chooses to let him have that diplomatic immunity, then the, uh, the host country can send him away, they can expel him from the country, but they can't take him to court. You see, he is immune from prosecution. In a sense, that's what God has done for us in Christ. He's given us diplomatic immunity in heaven's courtroom. Through faith in Jesus Christ, worked in us at baptism, our God has given us a precious gift. He's given us Christ's righteousness. He's wrapped us in the robes of Jesus' holiness so that when God looks at us now, He doesn't see our crimes. He doesn't see our sins. He doesn't see those filthy rags. He sees only Jesus' holiness. Jesus accomplished this salvation this righteousness for the entire world. But God gives it to individuals. He gives the benefits of it to individuals one at a time through faith. My friends, this is reason for us to rejoice because the charges against us have been dropped. We are justified. It's just as if we'd never sinned. We are free and forgiven in Christ. So how do we get to be in this place? How did we get to be those who have faith in Jesus? How did we get to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean... Is faith something that we do? I mean, is it like our part of salvation? You know, Jesus did 99.9% of the saving, but we do that one-tenth of one percent, just our little part, by accepting Him, by believing in Him. You know, sometimes I hear it put this way, Jesus did it all, all you got to do is believe, which is just honestly not the best theology. Because, you see, faith is the opposite of doing. Faith is receiving. Paul tells us in our text that faith comes to us apart from the law. The righteousness of Christ comes apart from the law. In Ephesians, he said it comes not by works. We are not saved in any way, shape, or form by what we do, but only by what the Lord Jesus has done for us. By faith, God gives us what Jesus did for us. So I'll ask the question I asked a minute ago again. How do we get this faith? A little later in this same letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote very clearly, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. We're familiar with that passage. In our text, he says that the righteousness of Christ is something to which the law and the prophets Testify. Now, the law and the prophets, that's just shorthand for the Old Testament Holy Scriptures, which is what the Apostle Paul had. That was his Bible in his day. Paul says that the righteousness of Christ is testified to in the Old Testament Scriptures. Really? Is it there? Absolutely. We just heard this morning from Habakkuk that the righteous will live by faith. Jeremiah, in his book, he gives a beautiful name to our Lord Jesus. He calls him the Lord our righteousness. I'm reminded of something Martin Luther once wrote. He wrote, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness, I am your sin. You became what you were not so that I might become what I was not which just reminds me of something the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange. Jesus took the guilt of my sin, and I get the credit for his holiness and righteousness. I want you to understand that that's the message of the entire Bible. That's the message of all the scriptures. The Bible is Christocentric. It is Christ-centered. Every single page, every single word, finally, is about the Lord Jesus Christ and points to him. Think of the Bible like a, a pipe organ. Pipe organs often have hundreds, even thousands, of different pipes. They are of different lengths and shapes and sizes. They're even made of different materials, metals and wood, uh, and they make all kinds of different sounds individually by themselves. But play them together, and they make beautiful music. The Bible was written over many centuries by many different men who had different writing styles, lived in different places, had different situations in life. They even wrote the Bible in three different languages, Hebrew and its cousin Aramaic in the Old Testament and Koine Greek in the New Testament. And yet, my friends, the Spirit guided that writing in such a way that the Holy Scriptures, both Old and New Testament, sings just one beautiful song. Salvation by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. You see, it is through this gospel, it is through the good news that the Spirit creates and strengthens faith in our hearts. Without the Bible, we could know that God is great, He's big, He's strong, He's powerful, He's holy. We know that from creation and conscience. But without the Bible, we would know nothing of salvation in Christ. We wouldn't even have an inkling that God declares us not guilty through faith in him apart from what we do. Without God's word, like Luther, we would be stumbling around in a vain attempt to try to save ourselves, to try to find some kind of peace with God, and we would be failing miserably. But thanks be to God. He's given us his word. And through that word we know and we believe by the Spirit's power that we are saved by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Come back with me for a minute to the black cloister where Luther was a monk. For years he toiled there as a monk in a vain attempt to try to find some peace, in a vain attempt to try to work his way to heaven until he finally discovered the gospel. After he discovered the gospel... Uh, being a monk became less popular in Germany and so that that uh, Augustinian order there at the Black Cloister basically folded. Did you know that then Elector Frederick, the ruler of Saxony, gave the entire Black Cloister, this huge building, to Luther to be his personal family home? And he lived there for many years with his wife Katie and with his children in peace. Now, where did his peace come from? It did not come from domestic bliss. It came from words like the ones we have before us today it came to us from the simple gospel message again that we are saved by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone my friends we have the same peace we have the same righteousness of our Savior like Luther we are saved by God's grace alone through spirit worked faith in Jesus Christ alone and we know of this and believe this through the scriptures alone My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, go home and sleep well tonight because you have peace with God through Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen.